What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like the video, comment on it. Let us know what you think about the episode. Let us know if there's a particular guest or a topic that you'd like us to cover. We're always checking comments on YouTube. Love getting your guys' feedback and then being able to incorporate it into future episodes and also guests that we chat with. Today I'm going to be talking with Johnny from Stainless Diesel, and we're going to be talking about racing, talking about stainless diesel exhaust manifolds, a bunch of cool things things so it's going to be a great conversation before we get to it though i want to let you guys know um, about a discount code that our friends over at kershaw knives have if you use code 20 diesel at uh, kershaw knives you get 20 percent off site-wide and they've got a ton of new product releases which we had just covered with them and then also you know really knives to meet any budget or you know really any kind of use so if you're a knife enthusiast or you need something for hunting or fishing or anything in between they've definitely got you covered there just head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com use code 20 diesel you get 20 percent off site wide all right let's get to today's podcast with johnny from stainless diesel talking about exhaust manifolds racing a ton of other cool diesel things johnny welcome back to the diesel podcast it's uh you know we meet again after the holidays and um get to chat about turbo stuff and diesel things and so I'm sure we're gonna have a great time chatting today. We got a lot of cool things to cover, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man, uh, great to be on with you again, Patrick. And uh, hope you had a good holiday, happy new year. I know 2023 is off to a good start. Yeah, it was pretty pretty busy. And uh, gosh, and then the snow. I think you guys probably got hit by some record cold oh, yeah. or some we really got, cold. Uh, got some of that crazy. What is it? Eight degrees below with like 30 below wind chills. So that was that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I have to get the fuel additives out. Oh yeah, yeah. Lots of trucks were freezing up around here. Uh, we fixed up some people with some good hot shot secret stuff and got them back on the road and um, keeping everybody rolling. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned something, and I know what this is. I don't necessarily know exactly what causes it, but I think anyone who drives a diesel truck will have experienced it at one point or another, and that's turbo surge. We know what it sounds like, and I know depending on the turbo the truck the fueling how we drive it it can you know be more intense or less intense but you said that was a common question that you guys get so i wanted to ask you what is turbo surge what does it do you know to a turbo what are some ways we can help with it sure yeah there's um you know it's the difference between like turbo surge or tur- tur- turbo barking um and in what what and what causes it and why it happens kind of deals so i mean for the most part um turbo barking is when you lift off the pedal and you hear like that turbo just going just whoosh that really aggressive turbo whoosh sound at the end or if you ever watch the sled pulling videos or like at a sled pull track you'll listen to the big sled pull guys um they'll lift at the end of the track and you'll hear that turbo just kind of whooshing um that's kind of like the turbo barking uh description is what the best way i can kind of put it out there uh turbo surge is completely different um Look at a turbo, you know, a turbo is an air pump. Uh, an engine is an air pump, regardless of kind of what you put the turbo on. It's there are two, two air pumps uh, trying to work uh, simultaneously. Um, turbo surge is essentially the turbo is a little more efficient at pumping air than the motor is at a given RPM for a minute. And then you'll get that, uh, I kind of like salt shaker or maraca sound. Uh, just that, that, yeah. that kind of weird sound under constant load, like going up a mountain. Um, and typically that's the the volumetric efficiency, the VE of the engine is not 
as good as it needs to be at the lower RPM range, and say you have a turbo that's providing more air than the engine's able to ingest or swallow, essentially, and so it backs up to the compressor wheel. And then uh, a lot of guys you'll hear about, you know, map grooves. The map, it's a map with enhancement groove, uh, essentially. So when you get to the surge line of a turbo, um, it'll kind of recirculate through that groove and come back up into the air inlet stream and then kind of come back and make that uh, surge uh, kind of shift into a different RPM range of where it's going to happen. Because pretty much every turbo can do it. Doesn't matter the design or, or size, it can do it. If put in a situation or a sizing combination in an appropriate engine to, to make it happen. Um, it's pretty interesting. We, we've been doing turbos for quite a while. Um, there's certain combinations on a Cummins, for instance. Um, so you had like a 75, like a 475 with an 83 millimeter turbine and a T490, for instance. That's almost 100% chance you're going to surge on a Cummins. Almost. Unless you had a really good, um, we had a gentleman with a 12 valve in that combination a while back and he called and said, hey, Johnny got some turbo surge and said, well, what you got? What's your combination? You know, um, and he mentioned it was exactly that, you know, uh, 75 with an 83 turbine um, T490 and he's surging really bad. Um, low to part throttle, low to light throttle, lower RPMs. Um, and uh, essentially, he was about to put a head and camshaft package on the engine and he did that and it shifted where the surge happened. So it, it, it happened at a, about a 500 RPMs higher and not as bad. So when you get an engine, like really good cylinder head, uh, like we've had some DNJ engines um, with, you know, cylinder heads that are ported out like camshafts, um, guys have put on, let's say even on the five, nine common rail stuff, um, Say they had a little surging barking combination, and as soon as they upgraded the cylinder head um, and camshaft, no more surge. So as long as the engine can ingest it, uh, the turbo won't won't uh, surge. So I think um, the first time I ever heard it was on a stock seven three. I think they were pretty notorious yep. for for doing it. <clears throat> and I think yeah, yeah. So when somebody is going to uh, an aftermarket turbo, something. I don't want to necessarily say like a racing application, but something that a little bit more sure. power, a little bit more response. <clears throat> Can you pick a turbo or the site, you know, size it to not have that surge or oh, yeah. is it just always, well, how would somebody do that? How would I do that on say so a, a five nine? So like, yeah, on, like that turbo sizing we mentioned, you know, like that 75, 83, T 490 or even one Oh, in, in that case with an engine that could spin it up quick. But doesn't maybe have some flow modifications like a like a camshaft or or an upgraded cylinder head flow uh, kind of scenario. Um, and then another thing too, like a like a cast wheel box unit may not surge as bad as what an aggressive uh, billet higher flowing compressor wheel would do. Uh, so there's some dynamic between uh, compressor wheel designs. Uh, more aggressive can surge sooner than say a, a cast wheel that's less aggressive. Um, but if you put the turbo in that situation in a, a a less flowing uh, cylinder head camshaft engine volumetric efficiency, it'll run into a surge sooner. So let's take that same combination, um, 75, 83, or even a 72, 83, if it's really aggressive uh, race cover, kind of high flow compressor wheel design, you can get into surge. Um, diesels are a little different, but they're the same as gas. You know, gas guys can get into surge, but they have really good 
volumetric efficiency um, as far as flow through the engine um, uh, and higher RPM. So the Duramax, for instance, I can put that 75, uh, 83 combination together in with a T490 and it will not surge on a Duramax. Unless it's an LP5, there's something going on with the LP5 platform. We've seen that combinations that normally don't surge on a Duramax, a normal Duramax, um, we're finding that some LP5s are seeming like they want to surge with a certain combination that they normally, any Duramax would not have an issue with. So the dynamics are always shifting uh, as technology is changing. Um, but typically to get out of surge, um, Larger exhaust housing, slow the turbo down. There's another option. Um, a bigger turbine wheel in a, in a diesel's application. Um, so surge is a combination of uh, a turbine leverage. So like a, if I put a, an 87 turbine on a 72, um, typically it's not going to surge on that same you know, 12 valve or 5.9 or 6.7 um, like the 83 turbine would. Uh, typically... Um, little bit bigger turbine wheel so it takes a couple hundred more rpms to really light up in comparison so it lights a little bit later in the rpm range but it also has more leverage kind of like a bigger breaker bar when you're trying to take a bolt off um, that larger turbine provides more leverage for packing the compressed air into the engine and maintaining that um, a little easier than a smaller turbine so uh, and there's some calibration stuff that like too much timing in the lower RPM range, um, cools off EGTs. So having a little bit more EGT in the lower RPM ranges, uh, instead of six or 700 degrees, maybe you want 900 to 1,000 uh, degrees in that lower to mid RPM range to drive the turbine wheel a little more efficiently, kind of combat the surge range. Um, so it's a, it's a dynamic situation and every situation is slightly different scenario-wise. Um, but uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> So I imagine with each engine, <clears throat> you guys have been doing this for so long that you're going to know what size compressor turbine wheel turbine housing is going to work well on this 12 valve or VP truck or 5.9 or 6.7 yep. or sure. yeah, LBZ. Yep. So where you, you can guide people that way. And then if they get into that situation where they, you know, you go to the larger turbine wheel or turbine housing, I, I guess the trade-off would really just be maybe a little bit higher have to get the RPMs a little bit higher to kind of get into the, the power and building the boost. But yeah. I imagine surging a turbo over time, and I guess this kind of leads into the next part is you know, what happens to a turbo when it surges? And I'm sure you guys see lots of... So a lot of times, you know, it typically will beat up a thrust bearing, you know, so uh, the, that constant uh, lateral movement in and out um, against the thrust bearing, it can prematurely wear it out. Um, and that's, you know, you'll hear people talk about the drive pressure, you know, a good primary reason why you want drive pressure within, you know, 10, 15 pounds of, uh, of compressor, whether it's positive drive or negative drive of boost, um, it's to take load off the, the thrust bearing surface. Um, so that's, you know, you want to keep that thrust bearing happy as you can provide the same amount of load on both sides and it doesn't push on one side more than the other. Um, so that really helps longevity, but, uh. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a balance. It basically wears that out um, more so than not. Um, and then uh, takes some life away sooner for sure. Is that where you're like, I'll see pictures of, you know, some old turbo and the compressor wheels all chewed up around the edge. Is that because you've had wear on the bearing potentially from 
surging a turbo and it's just able to move in and out more and then it's contacting yeah. the housing yep for sure it's really like when you're looking at that uh any compressor wheel like down a bore essentially and you're looking at the shaft um like if you ever seen a breakdown of the turbo you know a lot of people think you know you have a long shaft you know but essentially like a like you know uh you might have a bearing at the front portion of the shaft and the back portion of the shaft and you shouldn't it shouldn't oscillate that much right well, typically an S400 has a bearing right in the middle of the shaft and at the back of the turbine wheel. So it's 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 quite a bit different than most people think. So a little bit of movement in the bearing is a lot of movement in the bore of the compressor cover when you're grabbing the, the shaft and just giving it a wiggle. So typically um, over time, you know, you're going to wear some bearing surfaces and things like that. Um, when you shut the truck off and the, the turbo is still spinning, um, you get a little wear there. Um, when you get a cold start, um, like right now, it's really you know when it's cold outside, you don't get oil pumping through the turbocharger fast, you know. So some of that stuff slightly wears everything um, on startup and shutdown. So there's some some wear parts there, um, but under normal operation, typically the the bearing should never touch the shaft and it should never touch the the bearing housing. It should just float on a a nice cushion of oil. Um, and there's always a point um, where it doesn't, you know, uh, if you spin it too fast uh, versus the oil volume that the bearing's getting fed, um, then they can touch down typically. And that's where you get that, um, the wheel contact, the cover scenario. Um, if it's spun too fast or if it has excessive wear um, and then barking or lifting it really, really, really uh, fast off the end of a drag, drag strip run or a slip pull track or just on the street, you know, um, the, the, essentially the shaft will do this. It'll oscillate a little bit. So the tips of the compressor wheel can sometimes touch down in the cover if it's, uh, because it's pretty tight clearance in there, depending on the turbo size, um, you know, 18 thousandths is per side on some of the bigger S400 stuff is something, a good rule of thumb that we use. Um, some of the smaller units, you know, they get a little bit tighter, um, but when it comes off axis, you know, the very, it'll leave a little witness mark or it can at the very tips of the blades and then then you know you might want to get get looking at something there so now is it is the damage something that can happen just after doing that a few times like say i put a new turbo <clears throat> on my truck i go to the sled pull or i'm just doing something and i let off of it three times is it something yep. where you can damage it that quick or is it more long term with the surge where that um, where the damage happens so, so typically like if like on the performance kind of sled pull turbos we'll put a little more clearance in certain areas of the board to allow for that really harsh lift at the end of the track or the bark. Um, as far as a surging condition, it can you can damage something really quick on a surging condition um, if you're not careful, like especially if it surges under load, like heavy load, because it's oscillating back quite a bit more, but low to light throttle. Um, if, you, if some guys, you can RPM around it a little bit, uh, grab some more RPM, three, 400 more RPMs, and it'll get it out of surge because as the engine's RPM is higher, it's it's more readily available to move more cubic inches of air through it. As RPM increases, it's more efficient at moving air through it. So lower RPMs, mid-range is where you typically see some surge um, to, uh, on a diesel application anyway. It just got me thinking about something on these newer trucks with 10 speeds and where they want to keep the operating RPMs at. Do you think that... Or do you think this issue is going to become more prevalent at the cruising speeds they want to be at versus like a four speed with 
you know, lock up and just where the opera, just where the RPMs used to be on older trucks versus now, it, it seems a bit different. And I can yeah. see how maybe that would be an issue. It is. So that's where I think that LP5 runs into a little bit of an issue because it does have that, you know, fancy 10 speed trans and some of those. And then essentially, uh, just like the, 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 the newer Dodges, you know, with the 68s, um, their shift strategy, I mean, you, you go to take off from, um, say, a gas station and you're pulling up to a light, it might, you might be in third gear, but the truck never gets over 1200 RPMs. Um, so the strip, the shift strategy on a, on a bigger turbo would be a little different. Uh, than a VGT, for instance, um, in a lot of cases. But uh, the dynamic changes a little bit, for sure, where the shift strategies on the newer trucks, they don't get RPMs very high. Uh, yeah. Where the older trucks, you know, like the 12 valves and the VPs, you, know, you might be 26 or 700 before it shifts, uh, for instance. So quite a bit different. We had, uh, I think on the last podcast, we just touched on it a little bit, but some of this L5P stuff, and you would mentioned it today, what how's that market kind of shaping up because it seems like for a while you know with the tuning stuff and how the tuners you know had to do it um, i think it right. delayed it a little bit but it seems to have yeah. picked up people are doing more things in those trucks now oh yeah yeah and there's a lot of uh you know, a lot of guys out there that they work really di- diligently you know to to uh produce um you know compliant uh oe approved tuning stuff so like uh, that's coming with the newer platforms and everything like that. So I think the guys are really getting a handle on some of that with the L five P platform. Um, and then as far as the turbocharger stuff goes, you know, we've been doing some testing with that. Um, uh, quite a bit of beta testing. Uh, really happy with what we're seeing um, with the platform. It uh, it's going to be good for us. I think we've got something we should be releasing into the month. Uh, a couple couple different part numbers there. We should have some basic. Uh, entry level sizes and uh you know like the 61 millimeters 63 and a half and i think maybe a 65 in the coming down the road the 61s maybe in um 63 and a half first size wise so first of february into into january here we'll have some l5p stuff getting released so very cool excited for that yeah it's nice to see nice to see that platform get uh is it, well because duramax has have always been really popular to modify with the you'd mentioned you know like the volumetric efficiency and the kind of turbos they could drive and the tuning and the fueling and the transmissions it's just it's a really cool platform to play around with and then seeing you know this current generation sort of catch up a little bit or or yeah. you know, kind of have a higher ceiling is really exciting oh yeah yeah i mean the you know the v8 the v8 diesels are definitely uh unique animals for sure where um certain things you can do with those um more readily, you can't really do with the inline, but the inline stuff. I mean, I think they're the king on the on the on the drag strip, and I think they're they're the the Duramax guys are definitely coming in like a really close second. You know, they've made some big strides. Uh, they're eight cylinders. You know, you got two more injectors. You have better phone cylinder heads and camshafts. Packages usually on Duramax um, compared to the you know moving the same amount of air uh, inline. Six, uh, for instance, even though we got some, you know, we got some badass uh, Wagler competition heads out there now. Um, you got uh, DNJ stuff. You got, uh, I think, Shy Diesel was making a twenty-four valve head now. Um, so a lot of guys are pushing into that, um, just like the race car guys do. You know, they're <laughs> they're making billet chunks of bad ass uh, pieces that are just. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited for the future of, of the racing. <laughs> One thing. So, one thing I was going to ask you, and I see this a lot, like on our Discord or Instagram, or <clears throat> people are wanting to 
they're either doing something with the turbocharger or they just got a truck and there's an issue with the exhaust manifold. And I've seen people say it's like hard for them to find, you know, an exhaust manifold. I know you guys have them. I wanted to ask you more about them. Um, like what year ranges they cover differences with the stock manifold. Cause I think as long as sure. I can remember cracked Cummins manifolds have kind of always been, always been a thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, years ago when we got into that, uh, you know, there was no stainless second gen manifolds and then, uh, stainless, the material stainless steel is just material thermal properties in comparison to like your typical cast iron stuff. Um, you know, the cast iron, you know, it heat cycles really well. It cools, it, you know, warms up, cools off fast. But in the process of doing that, uh, cast iron shrinks when you get enough heat cycles through it. And there's some really good um, updated versions of cast iron, like uh, even the OEMs have went to adding high nickel content, which is essentially what you have in uh, stainless steel. To make it stainless steel, you have some high nickel content and some other items in there uh, to handle the high heat cycling. So um, that nigh resist uh, was kind of the best version of the cast iron they could come up with, but it still, it, it fatigues over time. Uh, a lot of the OEM castings are really thin, so they can only take so much movement before they have a cracking issue. Um, so we, you know, once upon a time in the trucking industry and we were breaking stock manifolds, we got some aftermarket stuff back in the day on our work trucks and those were cracking um, just towing in high heat right in the center of the manifold that wants to have an issue. So I put, you know, back in the day, we basically put our money where our mouth was and designed something that was uh, uh, just a really good piece that we felt would work for ourselves and then uh, put it out there. Um, but the center of our manifold, there's areas in the center that it's it's over one inch thick. So that does two things. It, it helps uh, eliminate um, cracking. And it helps keep the thermal energy in. So by keeping the exhaust gases hot, um, turbo spool quicker. You know, things uh, things move along quite a bit nicer than a, than a really thin cast iron piece that lets out the the thermal um, from by the time it gets to the cylinder head, comes through. It, it can cool off the exhaust gases before it gets to the turbine foot. Um, so it's, it's real neat. You know, we've got a lot of manifolds in stock. We've been been working diligently with our foundry on, um, we have Foundry in Michigan uh, that uh, does all of our castings for us. We bring them down here to, into the shop and machine them and uh, really good pieces. You know, it's a 400 alloy, so it is magnetic. We get that question uh, here and there. Um, hey, you know, I thought stainless was not magnetic. Uh, 300 series stainless is, is not magnetic. So that's really typical to see like your, um, uh, exhaust valves in, in some engines are, are uh, 300 stainless, so they'll be non-magnetic. Um, the 400 alloy is a 410 alloy, pretty close to it, but it's got some mood metal additives into it. Uh, the foundry engineers came up with and uh, we did a lot of testing on it. So we really typically don't see any cracking um, unless it's like a, some some goofy, you know, heat treat that it didn't go through heat treat properly or something like that. But um, basically, uh, Lifetime warranty on our stainless diesel made in America manifolds. So, and in stock, ready to ready to ship. So we've had great luck with them. And you guys do T three, T fours, T sixes. Yeah. So we get you know the twelve valve and the twenty four valve stuff, uh, and and all the pretty popular. You know, like your T three foot is your stock sizes. You know, so like the stock pairing stuff and all that. Um, T four is a little bit uh, larger for, um, like 
any you know, say S300 T4 uh, SXE style turbo and uh, S400 T4 stuff. And then we do have the T6 for the slip pole guys, drag race guys, and uh, um, they do really well. Uh, we've been uh, well north of 3,000 horsepower. Justin Ziegler, uh, UCC, I think he's you know, 3,300 plus horsepower on our stainless diesel manifold. So highest horsepower manifold on the planet at uh, UCC, that's for sure. With the, I'm just thinking about the hardware because a lot of times when I get stumped on questions from listeners, it's people say, "Well, what uh, what kind of gaskets do I use, or what about the bolts and things like that?" So, what if somebody gets one of these manifolds? Do they use factory Cummins gaskets, or do you guys supply a different gasket with the manifold kit? So, there's a lot of times we're using like the because there's a variety of gaskets out there now. Um, you know, Cummins makes uh, like the second gen gaskets are a single layer. Uh, stamped steel for the 24 valve VP, for instance, and then even the early five nines they were like that. So um, the six sevens came along, and there's a multi-layer gasket for the six seven we really like. Um, and so we we basically use the six seven Cummins gasket that we provide. Well, like like when you want to get a gasket kit or something like that, that's what we we would typically uh, send with it. And then. Um, the stud kit, so the, all the manifolds are coming now with the stud kit. They used to come with an Allen head, socket head, cap screw bolt. Um, and then we uh, upgraded that to a stainless stud and uh, just, a, just a low shoulder nut. And uh, it's it's been really, really good. And we provide that with the manifold. And then there's so many, uh, like we have options to buy um, various gaskets with it um, if you want. And then... Uh, uh, upgrade the turbo studs if you want to do that too so um plenty, plenty of options there yep very cool <clears throat> yeah i know that's what just one of the things that uh it it's almost like we don't think about it you know because it, it's like with the exhaust manifold the turbo the engine bay it's you know how does it look how am i going to get it on here and then it comes to the gaskets or the studs or you know even just being able to call you guys and order a gasket kit or something just to have an extra on hand yeah. you know something like that is yeah. so so helpful because when you need one yeah. you usually can't find one. <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's hard to get sometimes and then for a while man cummins i think cummins had a hard time you know getting a lot of parts there for a bit so that was an issue for sure um, but, uh, we've been fortunate where we've gotten a hold of some, some components in, in bulk, you know, making sure we had the stud kits and the gasket kits to go along with the manifolds. And like I said, worked with our foundry, uh, really dil diligently to make sure that, um, we could, we could stay on track with keeping things in stock, ready to ship. And then, uh, like I said, we've, we've got stuff. I've been hearing some guys, you know, like three, two, three months on lead times, out there with some manifolds now uh guys are having hard times getting certain things so um but we've we've been lucky and fortunate and uh working really hard to uh make sure we got stuff in stock and take care of guys you know um we've actually added an option here more recently uh coating uh that thermal uh, coating for uh, like exhaust housings um and we're doing the stainless manifolds and coat too so it's an option on the website uh we've got three colors uh gold black and like a silver so pretty interesting <laughs> did the uh did the six seven cummins guys bug you for a manifold and when are they going to be coming up or you know those guys looking for yeah for so for uh we definitely we're in the works uh we've done doing some cad work so like just like we did our other manifolds um we start with the cad stuff and then we'll do a 3d printed model we'll put it on the flow bench and uh like our our t3 um, our T3 stainless manifold 
flows within five CFMs of doubling the CFMs of a VP44 style factory manifold. So it's about double the CFMs within about five CFMs of doubling it on the flow bench when we tested it. And then with the larger feet, uh, it goes even higher than that. Um, so the new process uh, on the newer manifolds, so like a, a third gen style, a fourth gen, we're looking at that. We're even considering a fifth gen manifold um, as well. Uh, that's in the design phases right now. So hopefully we'll have some of that stuff out. Uh, it's quite a process, um, but uh, maybe this time next year we'll be having those out, if not sooner. So, Do you find with the newer trucks, because of the running higher heat with regens and just where those engines are designed to kind of operate, that they have a tendency to crack more than the older trucks did? I think what you see, though, is like, um, you know, say that, you know, say it's not leaking and your factory stuff's on there and you go to take a, put a VGT on, you know, um, and you pull the manifold off. Some, a lot of guys will do that. Um, some guys will leave the manifolds on, but when you pull the manifold off, you go to put it back on, you'll notice that it doesn't seal the, uh, you know, you've got some leakage in the center. It's gapped a little bit. So maybe while it's still on there, um, it's moved, but it's still tight enough to kind of keep a gasket seal. Um, but when you pull it off and go to put it back on, that's when you would notice that cast iron really moves on the third gens and fourth gen manifolds where um, they're having some issues with the factory ones. So um, we're looking to fix that. Very cool. Yeah, that'll that'll be great for those those guys out there looking for solutions. And, you know, it's just something that's easy. Like when you're doing a turbo upgrade, why not change the manifold instead of having to go back in there and do it again? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's another thing, like, you know, with all the stock pairing of VGT stuff, you know, a lot of guys are asking, hey, you know, what do you think about this intercooler? Or, you know, what do you think about, you know, that intake? And, I mean, like, anything you can do to help the airflow, I think, is a good thing. Um, so that's why we kind of, we came out with a 13 to 18 intercooler pipe set um, for the new trucks. So if they can get a VGT and then they can jump up and get our three and a half inch intercooler pipes. Uh, and they come with our, our lifetime warranty stainless diesel boots. Um Kevlar lined boots and they're you know, five layer. Some of them are actually six layer, depending on the sizes and the angles and things. But uh, very excited for that stuff. And then um, we're going to have some stuff uh, for the new trucks too. The 19 plus is uh, available on the website soon for the larger intercooler pipes as well for the Cummins platform. You guys are staying busy. Oh, yeah. Lots <laughs> of stuff going on. Well, one, of, one of my favorite things is once the new year rolls around, I know that race season gets here really quick. It seems like it, well, not for you guys, because you guys are planning everything out and, and you know, getting mm -hmm. ready for it, but just covering it or being excited for it, it seems like it gets here really quick. And, you know, oh, in yeah. fall, we had talked, you know, a bit about, um, you know, your race car, the, uh, the, the parachute, some other things you guys were working on. So as of January 2023, where are you guys at on, uh, on the race car? What are some things you guys are working on right now? And, you know, it's kind of some things to button up before the race season ends. Yep. So uh, definitely in full swing in the, in the racing side, trying to repair, uh, you know, what happened there at the, at the Wagler race, you know, uh, parachute didn't pop out, did a quickie video on uh, YouTube. Very interesting with some data. And um, really we couldn't put our finger on like the smoking gun that actually caused it not to come out. There's about three things that we looked at um, parachute cable, uh, outer sheath kind of shrunk back, which made more stick out on the release cable portion at the bag itself, um, which is kind of weird. Um, so we're going to go with a different cable manufacturer. Uh, we've got some neat things we're going to do to 
make more inherent safety as far as the parachute system goes for sure. And then um, as far as like the car body, it's back together. It's actually wrapped. Uh, we're waiting on some some last minute uh, graphics to get on the wing, the back portion of the wing. But the body's wrapped, the door's wrapped, the windows are back in. Super excited. It's looking good. Um, transmission's out. We're going to get it freshened up and uh, going to take it down to the uh, Hammer Tech uh, here in a couple of weeks. So we'll be down in Indy with the chassis. Um, when it hit the net, it tweaked the front, the front half of the chassis a little bit. So there's going to be some cutting and welding to uh, fix all that. So we're going to take it down to Tony and uh, get get his expertise on that front half side. And hopefully schedule-wise, you know, first uh, first time out should be sometime in March. If the timing goes right into March, we'll be ready to go testing. Down south, uh, probably be snowing at our place, but so we might head <laughs> south and find a nice racetrack to go play. Very cool. So it's all it's all coming together then for you guys. I know there's a lot, you know, with testing and oh, just yeah. everything before it kind of really hits its stride. But it seems like yeah. you guys have had a really good plan to, you know, tackle this year and and push that that platform even farther. Oh yeah, yeah. We were we were pushing pretty hard when we came out the gate. You know, it's uh, 17 runs on the car before all that happened, but we were able to get uh, uh, 14 passes on the car. It was like a uh, we ran a 425, 170-ish, uh, then a 421 on the pass that um, the shoots didn't come out. So the, the record that uh, has been standing in Outlaw Diesel Super Series for a little while uh, was a 418. So um, we were right there, right on the heels of the record, uh, first couple races out. So we're excited to see what we can what we can do. Um, Schedule-wise, we're going to race some ODSS, you know, the Outlaw Diesel Super Series. We may hit a couple outlaw um, um, pro mod races around us, you know, somewhere between Indy and Martin, Michigan, uh, when we get a chance, if the schedule uh, shows right. We're actually thinking about doing some big tire outlaw, run what you run stuff with the no prep kings this year. Um, we're tentatively looking at maybe five or six races with those guys. So I'm really excited um, to try to accomplish racing with the car guys side by side with some diesel power that'll be really cool i think that's been one of the one of the really fun things to to watch because historically it's always been one of the you know the gas cars are just so much faster and diesel's heavy and it's slower and to see that yeah. close up it's it's really fun as a diesel enthusiast to pay attention to and watch and then know the stories behind it like you know chatting with you about the car and the build and the team there you know working really hard to put it together oh yeah Heck yeah, yeah! All the guys in the shop, you know, we're we're uh, through the winter time. We 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 plan and and kind of bench race, I guess you call it. You know, <laughs> well, what if we tried this? What if we test that? So we make a big list of things we'd like to test. So then, when uh, the season cranks up and we get time, we'll, we'll work that list off. And all of our theories over the over the winter time off season, you know, we'll see if they panned out. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I, I was thinking of asking you about racing and really kind of like time management maintaining i think the perspective the team building and everything is you know you run a highly successful company you have an incredible race team you're traveling you're pushing for these records how do you manage all this stuff how do you yeah well, not just stay <laughs> <laughs> it There's seems really hard to yeah. do <laughs> no it's it's a, it's a really uh it's really a crazy balance for sure um, and then, uh, I think the guys, like everybody in the shop, like, you know, we were hundred percent eat, sleep and breathe, uh, on the racing side. 
and then um, that really helps. And then uh, we got a great team put together. You know, uh, all the guys at the shop are just phenomenal. I can't thank them enough. I mean, th this would not be possible without a team of some just just some bad dudes to hang around us to make it all happen. You know, it's a huge partnership. You know, just no no one person on, at this level can make it happen. So you have to have a great team uh, like the SNS guys. Um, like Wagner Motorsports uh, and, and uh, just the awesome engine that he did for us on that. Um, and then uh, just some great lubricants from Hot Shot Secret. Oh, those guys are phenomenal. And then uh, working with the Nitrous Express guys and just all the guys to put it together. And Tony at uh, Hammer Tech Race Cars. And it's like in all the guys at the shop, you know, turning wrenches and thinking hard. And, um, you know, Junior, he's on the he's on the laptop and he's doing um all the motec stuff you know we upgraded the motec with this new uh pro mod build where our pro street truck is a bosch motorsports ecm which is a really great platform as well um we just wanted to you know the what's uh the motec's kind of a newer platform for us so we wanted to try that out on the new build so it's going really well with that and the sns guys uh work really hand in hand with motec um to make sure we get the best calibration options we can use so we think up we think of some things that we want to do um on the calibration side that Motec didn't have in there. So they wrote us some special software to make sure that it does what we want to. Um, so there's certain things and uh, it's just neat to be able to work with those guys on that time base. Kyle at Hotshots had mentioned you on a podcast I did recently with him and talking about how valuable it is to be able to work and design something for something you're using at the racetrack and be able to get the data from it and then say, okay, now how can we apply this towards this hotshot truck or this daily driver or this, you know, truck that's being used to tow. And I know that that's a really great relationship. Um, yeah, that's one oh, yeah. of them. One of a lot of ones you just mentioned where you guys can come together, put your ads together, come up with solutions and be able to, I think really push the performance faster, farther than maybe in years past or decades past. It could be. Oh yeah. I mean, it's the technology moves so fast and it's like, um, with certain platforms and certain, certain guys, you know, we've tried to work with over the years. It's like, you know, boy, it'd be nice if we had this. And then with Kyle and the hotshot boys, it's like, man, I think we need this. I think we need that based on what we see in our data, um, with the racing over a number of years. And Kyle was able to do something in really short time and just say, here, I think this is what you need. Um, but if we can, we use the data in the racing, like you said, um, to make um, suggestions to badass companies like, you know, Hotshot Secret and directly to Kyle and then with the SNS guys and, and different things. And it's like, man, and it happens quick here. I got something for you. And it's really great to be able to move fast and then test it and get direct data and feedback back to those guys that are working hard for us. And then um, they take that and they take it even a step further and they could make our race car bearings look really good on the lubricant side um, with a couple little tweaks of their formula. And then you put that in a, in a, on, you know, their on-road tow truck stuff. And it's like, man, it's, it's the best of the best. It's really cool. I, I was starting to, uh, well, I had a, a podcast um, recently and we were talking about off-road racing, like Baja and stuff like that. And I had asked, uh, the guy I was chatting with, I said, how involved is like Ford and Chevrolet and, you know, Ram in this? And he was telling me, you know, Ford's hands-on and Chevrolet will send out a truck and they're running, it's basically a factory showroom truck that they'll put through these trials so that when you oh, go wow. to a showroom, you know, you have 
they know the suspension or these shocks or whatever it is. And I was immediately thinking of some of the conversations we've had with lubricants and engines and fuel systems and everything like that, where in the diesel side, it's, it's like that as well. When you have, you know, yourself and other companies getting together and you guys are testing and perfecting these combinations, you know, I might not be racing, but I can get, or I can take advantage of the information, the experience, the trials and tribulations you've learned on the racetrack for my daily mm-hmm. driver, my hotshot truck. And so it's, it's so cool to see that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, and that's one of those things like, you know, shaft speed on a turbocharger, like things that spin really, really fast. Um, eventually if you spin them fast enough, you can damage things. The, the things that spin really, really fast can blow up mm-hmm. and separate components. So like we've, we've figured out the limits you can push certain platforms. Uh, especially in our own, you know, in-house chargers, like we, we've got some data to show like, Hey, you can, you can turn this much RPM forever. And if you go to this much RPM, it's not going to last very long. So the guys that are looking for every last bit of a sled pole power, you know, that's where those sled pole turbos don't last long because they're pushing them uh, to the last bit of their capability to get that extra five or 20 or 50 more horsepower out of it. Where your street guys, you set them, you know, you're on road guys, you know, if this thing is running this shaft speed, um, it's going to last for hundreds of thousands of miles, you know, it's going to last for a very long time. Um, so that's a really big deal. Um, along with great lubricants like Kyle and the hotshot boys got over there. Um, it just makes a great combination to have that data on track and transition it into what we, uh, do every day, uh, pulling a trailer with your truck. Now, for someone who's listening and they they might need a manifold, they might be having a turbo that's surging, they want to get rid of the surge, they want something better, how can they ask you guys questions or what's the best way to do it? Is it to call in, um, jump on your website, you know, go on Instagram, Facebook? What's Um, the the best way? Yep, yep. I was going to say we definitely have some things. uh, Like I just sent a guy to our YouTube channel today. Um, You know, he had a question about some stuff. And I said, yeah, man, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Flanges Explained. For anybody that's uh, that's probably a whole show by itself with exhaust flanges and turbo V-band flanges and clamps. But I sent him there. So we did a little video there. And it's really helpful to know your sizes. But typically... Uh, email is really good sales at stainlessdiesel.com with any any questions and feedback stuff like that we can get back uh, there's there's a handful of us that see that email and can get back to you relatively quickly and then uh, you know phone calls of course if you've got a really uh, uh, tough combination or some, having some troubles some stuff definitely call in stainlessdiesel.com uh, website there we got uh, phone number right on the front front of it um, and then, uh, of course we've got all the fancy social medias. Um, if you do some stuff like Facebook messenger, um, we get back to you too. It might not be immediate on the Facebook messenger stuff, but sometimes it is sometimes, uh, emails a little quicker, but, uh, just depends. We're just getting bombarded with messages all over <laughs> and uh, we try to do the best we can to get back with you ASAP. We might have to do it a, a flange episode because all I know is it either fits or it doesn't, and I don't know why it doesn't oh, yeah. fit or why it doesn't line up. Or yeah, that's that's a whole other like bowl of wax. But uh, you know, terminology and flanges, uh, boy, it can just what one guy calls a marmon flange, another guy calls a half marmon flange, and nobody even knows what a marmon flange is. So <laughs> we might, yeah, we might have to do that one next. <laughs> yep. And then uh, they think there's one Marmon flange, but Marmon's a design of a flange typically, and there's hundreds of different sizes of them. So, wow, interesting. Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today chatting with us, and it's really cool. Um, 
you know, what, uh, what, what you guys got planned for race season and also these new products and stuff with, you know, like the yeah, L5P man. and the manifolds and turbos and VGT stuff we chatted about. So look forward to sitting down again here, you know, shortly, hopefully before you guys go out and test the, the, uh, the race Thank car you. and, and see how things are going. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for 2023, man. And, uh, as always great to be on with you, Patrick, uh, you're always, uh, out there supporting all the diesel guys and diesel industry for great information, man. Can't thank you enough for being, uh, having this platform for everyone. So it's a great uh, honor to be on with you again. Thank you, sir. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 20 diesel for 20% off site-wide. So if you're looking for a knife for a job site or hunting, fishing, something to throw in a toolbox, they've got a ton of different choices and really to meet any budget. Um, so if you need something you can really work hard or something for EDC or you're a collector and like different types of opening mechanisms, blade steels, handle materials, they've definitely got a lot of choices. Head on over there. The discount code is just for you guys, so it's a great way to save some money and uh, get 20% off your order. I also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, um, Caleb, John, all of our Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube, podcast apps, or on our Discord channel. We're almost up to 700 members on there. We appreciate all your guys' feedback, um, the questions you have for us, suggestions for guests. we got a, a bunch of really big things planned for 2023. They're going to be start rolling out here pretty soon. And uh, we know it's going to be one of the best years ever that we've had on the podcast and also a lot of great information in new ways for you guys to be able to connect to your favorite racer, company, or just learn about diesel, learn you know what's going on in the industry. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.